0: Hey everyone, Pastor Jeff here. I'm so glad that you're here today, even though I'm not. I've been away on retreat and doing some writing this week. Looking forward to being back with you next Sunday as we begin our new series, A Generous Life. I'm going to encourage you to be here for that and make sure that you hand out those cards and invite someone to come with you as we begin this important series as we head into our holiday season. Today, though, you have an incredible opportunity to hear for the very first time, Pastor Kyle Fellows. Pastor Kyle has been serving as our next generation pastor for the last few months, is doing an excellent job. And I'm excited for you to hear what God has laid on his heart today. So let's give a good cross-community church welcome to Pastor Kyle Fellows as he comes to preach for us. God bless you, Kyle. We'll see you next week. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you today. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for that um, warm welcome. That's great. Um, I want to take a moment of privilege. Dieter has already said a little bit this morning, but I... Uh, I want to take a little bit of a moment of privilege to just uh, say how blessed we are to have Pastor Jeff as our pastor. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. Pastor Jeff is my boss, but he's also my pastor. And so um, even over the years before coming uh, to minister here at, at Cross Community, there were many times when I would call Pastor Jeff and say, hey, I'm going through this thing or um, I've got this uh, issue in ministry. How, how would you handle this and those kinds of things? So I have come to appreciate him over the years so much. I hope. that we appreciate how blessed we are to have uh, him prepare the word for us every week preach the word for us every week pray for us every week and love us every week. And I, that is a special thing for a congregation to have. And so, encourage you, appreciate your pastor. I know that I feel blessed uh, to be here to learn from him and to hear him every Sunday. So, uh, you get to hear him every Sunday except for today. Cause today you get me. Uh, so, sorry about that. But, um, I'm excited to be with you today. Uh, to get to share a little bit with you. Um, it is my first sermon with you. And so this is gonna be fun. A lot of things I'm excited to share with you. Um, but if you have your Bible this morning or your Bible app, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter five. That's where we're going to be today. Um, We're going to be looking in just a few minutes at a I think a familiar story to us, one we've probably heard before. It's a story that reminds us that Jesus has a tendency to show up in our lives in ways that we might not expect and challenge us to do some things that we might not always expect. And so we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. Um, But for starters, I want to start in kind of maybe an odd place this morning. And we'll see how many of you are familiar with this or if this is just um, an analogy I should have dropped this morning. But um, a few months ago, uh, my wife Morgan and I sat down to check out a show that was all the rage at the time called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. And if you have seen the show, um, well, well, we'll get there in a minute, but we sat down and, you know, I'm excited to check out the show, but just a few minutes in, I turned to my wife and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Like, I don't know if if this is really my thing, but uh, you kind of get addicted. You start to pay attention and we were a couple episodes in, maybe a full season in. I don't know how far we got. She's like, no, you didn't make it that far. Um, But if you haven't seen the show, Marie is focused on helping people declutter their homes and their lives and find joy and simplicity and new organizational systems, and she would encourage people to consider whether their possessions sparked joy for them or not, and if not, she would encourage them to get rid of those things, and so as we moved up here this summer, there were a lot of jokes about whether or not things spark joy and whether we could get rid of those things, But um, but as we watched the show, what was really remarkable to me was the way that Marie Kondo consistently invited herself into other people's space and ask them to leave the way that they had always done things and thought about things and try things a completely different way. And throughout the show, there were always these moments of tension between the homeowner and Marie as she challenged them to do some pretty crazy things. She was telling them what things in their life they should value. And so there was these natural moments of tension. But by the end of each episode, the homeowners were always very happy and pleased that she had challenged them to take some big steps and to even leave some of their ways of doing things behind. And so this morning. We are looking at a passage of scripture that reminds us that Jesus often has the audacity to invite himself into our space and into our lives and into the things that we think that we know best. And he challenges us to try things his way and leave the way that we have always done things behind. And so this morning, I want to read for us from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, Jesus was standing beside Lake Gennesaret when a crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, then asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, row out a little further into deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we've caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets, and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help. They filled both boats so full they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish they caught. James and John Zebedee's sons were Simon's partners, and they too were amazed. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. As soon as they brought the boats to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. We say, thanks be to God. So this last summer, um, I had the opportunity to take a trip to Phoenix, Arizona with a bunch of teenagers, which is a good time. Um, But it's for an event called NYC, which happens... Every four years and thousands of Nazarene students come from around the U.S. and Canada. And this year we filled the Talking Stick Arena, the home of the Phoenix Suns. And so it was this incredible opportunity to hang out with a bunch of teenagers and worship together. And so it was just a great, great opportunity. Uh, but as we were there, we heard one of our sessions was from someone named Danielle Strickland. And Danielle is an author and a speaker, but she really made her mark through her incredible compassion as she served so generously really all over the world. She's helped to establish justice departments for the Salvation Army. She's launched global anti-trafficking initiatives and so many other things. But at NYC, as she's telling her story to us, she shared that some time ago she felt called to move to one of the roughest neighborhoods in Vancouver, Canada. She shared that this part of Vancouver is just saturated with drugs and alcohol, prostitution, clubs, all kinds of illegal activity. And uh, this new apartment that she was living in in Vancouver, if she were to go out the front doors, she would walk into this community of brokenness immediately. And she told us that in moving to this community, she felt like God was calling her to leave some of her own comfort behind, some of her security And just to really allow herself to live amongst some of the most lost and lonely and broken people and to learn to not see them as the problem, but to see them through the love of Christ. And so as I listened to her story, I couldn't help but be inspired and challenged and just amazed at what God was doing through her life. But I was also sitting there thinking, God, this is someone who has worked to combat human trafficking. She's changed the way the Salvation Army has looked at service, and she's challenging thousands all over the world to serve as Jesus serves. And yet in the middle of all of that, she was called to more. And God was asking her to leave some other things behind so she could serve as Christ serves in a different way. And so uh, what God called Danielle to really stuck out to me there in Phoenix. But as I prepared our message this week, her story came back to me. And I began to think about the fact that this is really the call for all Christians, Now, we're not probably all called to the same things that Danielle was called to, but as we follow Jesus, we're all asked to leave certain things behind. And everyone's story is different. Everyone's life situation is different. But in a room this size, there are people who at different times in your life have given up things to follow Jesus. You've probably sacrificed at times career plans or financial securities or comfort zones. Some of you have maybe even determined where you will live based on something that you felt like God was calling you to do at some point and then of course as Jesus leads us and as we follow him he calls each of us to leave things behind like our fear and our pride and our anger and these kinds of things so we know from our experience that God does this he calls us to leave things behind it's part of our story but in our story this morning that we read from Luke we're given a front row seat to see how Jesus has always and continues to call his followers to leave everything and to trade their way of doing things for his. Our story tells us that Jesus borrowed a boat that belonged to Simon Peter and he rowed out into the water a little ways to have a better location to teach from, but we really aren't told anything about the details or the content of what Jesus taught them that day. But if we read through the Gospels, we get a pretty clear picture pretty quickly of what it would be that Jesus was talking about. He was always proclaiming the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as much as Jesus' message was a wonderful message, a wonderful invitation to all people, Jesus also didn't shy away from telling people that this new way of life that he offered them would change everything for them and change everything that they were used to, Jesus was always asking people to leave their homes, and their occupations, and their comfort zones, their ways of understanding the world, and even the way that they had always understood who God is. And so I think it's pretty safe to assume that the message Jesus taught from the boat that day would have been really good news for all people. It would have been a great invitation to be a part of the kingdom of God, but it would have also been really challenging to hear and respond to. Because the message of Jesus, whether it's for us today or for them 2,000 years ago, is a message that calls us to leave a lot of things behind and exchange our way of doing things for His And so what's really powerful about our passage this morning is that as Jesus concludes his sermon and his teaching from the boat that day, he transitions from talking about the kingdom of God to inviting some people to be a part of it. He transitions from talking about faith and trust and he invites these fishermen to experience it for themselves. And our story tells us that when Jesus finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and we've caught nothing. So right here, I want to pause for just a second to talk about our title this morning, The Audacity of Jesus. Because when I was in Belleville, I did a lesson in youth group um called Rude Jesus on this on this passage. And I figured on a Sunday morning you guys needed something with a little bit more eloquence so you guys get the audacity of Jesus today. Um but what Jesus does in this passage is pretty unbelievable. It's bold it's it's honestly kind of rude because Jesus wasn't a fisherman. He's a carpenter. He's a preacher. And so he probably doesn't know the first thing about fishing. But he has the guts and the audacity to tell these fishermen how to do the thing that they're best at. This is their profession, their identity. This is the thing that they wake up in the morning and they know how to do. But on top of all that, the thing that Jesus asked them to do didn't make any sense. Because they were out fishing all night, not because they are night owls, but because that is when the fishing was best. And so now that it's morning the chances of them having more success than they've had are way less than they were before. And so I would imagine that these are fishermen who are maybe confused and maybe frustrated and maybe even a little bit insulted that Jesus would come to them and tell them how to do the thing that they knew best how to do. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night. We've caught nothing. In other words... We've tried it our way, the way that we've always done it, the way that's always worked. And we've had no success. So many of you have probably met my son Owen by now. Um, He tends to make his presence known, so you probably have. Um, But over the last several months, maybe a little bit longer, he's been in this stage of learning his independence. And it's good for him to learn his independence, right? Uh, But there are times when we ask him, Owen, do you need help? And he will respond, as only a stubborn three-year-old can, that he wants to do it by himself and his way, right? And this is a very natural developmental stage for a three-year-old to go through. That doesn't always make it easier, but it's true. Um, But we as adults, we tend to do this same thing, don't we? Because just like the disciples, we have our way of doing things and our routines and we insist on doing things the way that we have always done them because that is what we know. But then Jesus shows up. And just like he did to the disciples, he has the guts and he has the audacity to say to us, why don't you try the other side? Why don't you try things my way? And at first, we hate this, right? We hate it when someone comes to us and tells us how to live our life. But if we are honest, we all need that, right? We all have moments when we realize that our way of doing things isn't getting us anywhere. Or at least it's not getting us where we need to be. And um, I've already shared with you a little bit about Owen, but one of the toughest things, there he is again, one of the toughest things for my wife Morgan and I in moving to Michigan is going to be adjusting to the Michigan weather, okay? Because, this sounds a little bit ridiculous, because we both grew up in some places that had some pretty bitter winter weather here for me. Um, But we've gotten pretty accustomed to St. Louis winters, okay? Where 35 degrees is a really cold day, and winter coats are kind of optional down there, and so this is going to take some adjusting for us, but Owen loves playing in the snow, and so he was really excited when we told him one of the things about Michigan is that they get more snow. But um, last winter in St. Louis, we had a really big snow, so like two or three inches um, by <laughs> St. Louis Sanders, I know. We're bracing ourselves. <laughs> um, but uh, in St. Louis, the snow doesn't stick around very long either. So uh, it's you know snowed and it's morning, and so it's starting to melt a little bit, and so it's got a little bit of ice on top of the snow, and so it's kind of hard to walk through. And so we've bundled up on, we let them go out in it, whatever. And I'm walking around with them, and I'm like, hey, buddy, you want to hold my hand because it's hard to walk in, and you know we might need some help. He says, no do it myself. Like he's got to do it himself. Right. So it's 10 seconds later that he's fallen face first, right into the snow. And he's laying there and he can't move because he's got so many like layers on. Right. And so I say, Hey buddy, you want me to like help you up? And he's like, no, do it myself. I'm like, okay, buddy, whatever. So I just laugh because he obviously can't get up. He's got too many clothes on. So I ask him one more time. I said, Owen, Do you need dad to help you up? And this time he's got the big fluffy hat on and it's covering his eyes so he can barely see me. And I see him start to grin and he says, Daddy, help me. (laughs) But we do this, right? We insist on doing life our way. We find ourselves stuck and we know we're not where we want to be. But we don't know how to do anything else. And one of the things that I love, love, love about this story in Luke this morning is that it tells us that the disciples were already on the shore cleaning their nets. They've given up for the day. They're headed home. And they have absolutely no expectation that anything good is going to happen in this moment until Jesus shows up and invites them to try things differently than they ever have before and we know the rest of the story we know that there's this miraculous catch and it's breaking the nets and they have to invite the guys from the other boat to come on over and help them and I can imagine it's this kind of chaotic amazing experience but it's in this moment that Peter does something kind of strange kind of weird he asks Jesus to go away It says, when Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. I think think it's in that moment that Peter was not only very aware of his own sinfulness, but I think he was starting to realize that if Jesus hangs around, it's going to change everything for me. And sure enough, by the end of our passage, Peter and the other fishermen are leaving their nets and their boats and they're saying yes to Jesus' call to follow him. Because that is exactly who Jesus is. That is exactly what Jesus does. It's what we should expect. He calls people to leave everything to follow him. And we see this all through the Gospels. We see this theme everywhere. We see later in this very chapter, Levi, the tax collector, leaving everything To follow Jesus. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells us that the kingdom is like an object that's so valuable, you'd trade everything that you have to get it. In Luke 18, Jesus instructs the rich man to sell everything that he has to follow him. And then in Luke 14, Jesus says plainly, Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And so this morning, this is a really difficult passage. These are really difficult statements of Jesus. And so as I prepare this, what are we supposed to do with these things? Because on the surface, we see a story about a miraculous catch of fish and how these disciples began to follow Jesus. But we're also told something that is universally true for all followers of Jesus. That Jesus has the audacity to enter into our life, to challenge us on the things that we think that we understand best, and to ask us to leave things and to follow him into places and situations that are new that we don't understand and that we will need an incredible amount of trust to do. And so this morning, I am absolutely convinced that this passage and this idea that Jesus calls us to leave things behind to follow him may actually have a little bit of extra meaning for us here at Cross Community. Because this is a church that believes that God has called us to some pretty big things in the next couple of years. And we know that we cannot accomplish our ten-four visions on our own. We know that it's going to take sacrifice. We know it's going to take us leaving a lot of things behind, like our comforts, our security, our sense of control. And can I say this morning that you have already sacrificed so much to bring us here so that we could be a part of what is happening here at Cross Community. And I want to just say this morning, you did not hire an associate pastor for the first time in 15 years because you felt like it, because it was easy. You brought us here because you value kids. You value students. And because you were willing to make some sacrifices. Many of you did that. And so I am so thankful that you've done that so that we can partner in ministry and be here for this. But our kids and our students will also thank you years from now. But I think that all testifies to the fact that you are willing to do what Jesus is calling us to do in this passage and continues to call us to do. Because this 10-4 vision is really all about inviting Jesus into our space, into the way that we have always done things, and allowing him to say to us, try things my way. It's exciting to be here, to be a part of this church, because I really do think we're embracing this call. But we have to continually ask the question, are there things that Jesus is calling us to leave behind so that we can be the church that he's calling us to be? But then this passage also speaks pretty loud to us as individuals as well. And so I want to leave us all with that question this week. What is something that Jesus might be calling us to leave behind? Maybe he's inviting us to leave behind our bitterness or our negativity or our fear. Maybe we need to leave behind an illusion of control that we have these carefully planned plans for our lives. Maybe for you it's less about what you need to leave behind and what you need to do, where you need to go. And if you're like me, then there's often a fear of the unknown then that you need to leave behind as well. But this morning I am convinced that the one thing that we should absolutely take and learn from Peter in this passage is that we should expect that as we invite Jesus to stick around, as we invite him to make his home in our life, we should expect that he will always have the audacity to invite us to leave our way of doing things for his. And the really good news of Jesus That Peter and the other disciples experienced in our story is that when we've tried things our way, whether that's as the church or as individuals, and we've all but given up and we're on the shore cleaning our nets and we feel like there's nothing left, there is no hope, Jesus comes to us with his message of hope and with a new way of doing life. And he says, try it my way. It's a better way, and I will be with you. That's the good news of Jesus for us today. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming to us and for having the audacity to challenge us to leave our way of doing things for yours. And that when we have tried things our way and things simply aren't working, you offer us another way. And I pray that this week you would open our hearts, you would open our minds to see what we might need to leave behind as we follow you. I thank you for being a God who is good, who loves us, and who calls us to do so much more as individuals and as this church than we could ever do on our own. Father, we are so blessed to be yours. And I pray that we would continue to be a blessing to this world around us. It's in your name I pray these things. Amen. Let me send you with a blessing as you go this morning. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Go in his peace. We'll see you next week.